Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news, which I think accidentally last week I, I gave the wrong slogan. Did you? Yeah, I, I did. didn't notice. I think I did it two weeks in a row, actually. Okay. In fact, I have a confession to make. Anybody who's heard last week's episode, anybody who's very, 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 very astute out there and very fastidious will have noticed that the introduction to, la- to, to, to last week's episode is identical to the introduction of the week before because there was some sort of problem with our mic where it massively slowed down our voices so we were talking like this. So for the very introduction, I had to copy it. And you will notice there's a slight... There's a slight change and you will hear my voice talking like this for a second before it speeds back up. So don't be perturbed. That wasn't some sort of warp in the time-space continuum. That was... Well, it might have been. Maybe that's what it was, Rob. We were. We did talk about UFOs last week. We did, yeah. Um, I think it's. I mean, that was the end of the podcast, though. Very true, but maybe it was sort of whatever. Anyway, on with the. <laughs> yes, this is a podcast all about local news, and uh, this is episode one hundred and eighty-five now. And we find, we source, we we look for, we scour local newspapers for bizarre, weird, strange, funny, sinister, etc. Local news stories, and at the end of every episode, we have a listener story of the week. But Rob, before we begin properly, yeah. we have a little announcement to make. Rob and I have been talking for a while about increasing our presence online and doing the obvious thing and having a YouTube account. Are you going to have a YouTube account? I hear our listeners ask. You're an audio podcast. That's very true. We had the idea a while ago of why don't we make some videos of some stories that we particularly were fond of. And, you know, uh, accompany those stories with pictures, make a funny video out of mm. them. So like 10 minutes, 11 minutes, 12 minute videos of some classic stories. Now, I've been beavering away and I've made two videos, which I've shown Rob today. We're going to put those on a YouTube account. So we're going to have a brand new YouTube account. So any of our listeners, tell your friends, hit subscribe, leave comments, do whatever. And just spread the word for us, especially our friend Face the Strange. Spread the word about our YouTube account, which will hopefully be up within a week or a bit. Yeah, all being well. Um, but what we would like is for our listeners to get into contact with us either via Twitter, Facebook, or via our email address and give us any ideas of any stories you remember particularly fondly that you think would lend themselves well to the video format. Maybe wait until you see these videos to see the style they're in and then make some suggestions because, to be fair, I can remember a lot of stories we've covered, Rob, but I can't remember all of them because we've been going for 185 episodes. We've r- roughly done about six, seven episodes, six stories and episodes. So yep. there are a hell of a lot of stories to remember. Um, so please, we would love your ideas, wouldn't we, Rob? Absolutely. Now, like I said, it's uh, hopefully they'll be up very soon. And um, I mean, obviously, we've tried various other social media formats, but this one's going to work. I'm, I'm very positive about this one. So please tell your friends. Again, there's a lot of you already sharing and liking and, and doing various things. Uh, with our episodes. But we need more of that. that. And, and, and and YouTube is the missing link, Rob, because the amount of people on YouTube is phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, obviously there'll be a link on that YouTube account to our actual podcast itself. And I think these are going to go down really well. I've got high hopes, Rob. Absolutely. Can I make an Rob? Are you tired this week or not? Um, you drained? You're sick of life? Alex, we're recording a podcast on the hottest day of the year. Yeah. Now, we could be out sitting in the park. Well, you're right. I've been indoors most yeah, of the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Well, so have I. It's the 19th I've been of sitting, July, for anybody knows. I've been sitting in an air-conditioned office all day today. Do you know what's really funny? The, I, th- I believe it is the 19th of July. I'm pretty sure dead it is on. It's the 19th, yeah. yeah the, no, no, no. I'm not saying I'm... I'm saying I'm pretty sure it was the 19th of July that in Roman times was 
a day they venerated and they called it the, that's where the phrase the dog days of summer comes from oh, true. yeah uh, because it was bloody hot and it was also to do with when the star Sirius was seen in the sky so it's called the dog days of summer so actually it is this is the hottest day of the year it is fucking it is. boiling and all, uh, another fun fact I don't know if you find it fun but uh, today was the day that the, the first uh, cenotaph was unveiled you know, fat fans one for you 1919 right maybe the two are related <laughs> Possibly. I'm not joking. Now, Rob, let's go to our first story here from the new shopper. They're two stories. They're Lovely. connected. Great. This one is from a couple of days ago. There's no journalist listed for some reason. Um, and the, uh, the headline is, Tinder date lands man in Turkey amid military coup and he doesn't like the girl. Right. Uh, okay. So he's gone. Okay. So when- he's gone on a date. To Turkey? That's well, a long way to go. An unfortunate man's internet blind date has led to him being stuck in Turkey amid the military coup. That's unfortunate. Yeah. By the way, i I tell you something that's unfortunate. Two Guardian headlines over the past couple of weeks. One was um, where the beginning of the headline was Nice Attack, which, of course, just reads off the prep... Off the off 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 the website as Nice Attack. Yeah, yeah. Which is unfortunate. And the other one was this, was Turkey Coup. <laughs> <laughs> to me, read like chicken coop. Do you think that's what the terrorists are going for? For well, I mean, obviously the second wasn't a terrorist attack, but maybe sort of a more light-hearted approach to terrorism. No, this this was the Guardian. Yeah. An unfortunate man's internet blind date has led to him being stuck in Turkey amid the military coup. After a Tinder connection took an unexpected direction, Phil Stevenson found himself in Marmaris. 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 Yeah. yeah. Caught between the unwanted attentions of his date and the dangers of an unfolding uprising. As a spontaneous bit of banter, the 22-year-old agreed to join a woman he'd never met before on a trip to Turkey. After a family member's dropped out of the trip. Right. Okay. A few issues. I mean, first of all, Marmaris is nowhere near either Ankara or Istanbul. No. So I'm pretty sure he's perfectly safe. And well, they did actually cancel a lot of flights, though, Rob. No, they did actually, yeah. You okay. can go to Turkey right at the moment. No, but Marmaris is a resort. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's, we're not talking like he was based somewhere in Syria. No, uh, but don't you remember what happened in Tunisia when they began attacking resorts good there? Point. So it good wouldn't point. be a wise idea. Second of all, why would you go on holiday with someone you never met? Well, yes. He flew out on Friday and is now holed up in um, Marmaris's club Leica Hotel where he's doing his best to avoid his date and the political situation currently threatening the stability of the country. Does he have all-inclusive? I'm not sure. Right. Mr Stevenson said, We both matched on Tinder and spoke about five words before she told me she was going on holiday the next day. She gave me a big story about how her mum and sister couldn't go and asked if I'd come. She didn't have to ask me twice. We met for the first time at the airport and ended up in Turkey. I've done a lot of r- ragged things in my time. Ragged? Uh, I think they're from the north. R-A-D-G-E-D. Don't know what that no, means. No, 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 no. In my time, but nothing like this. I've had loads of people messaging me about what's happening here, and people by the pool are saying there have been shootings and a helicopter brought down in Ismela, which is just down the road. Ismela. Ismela. <laughs> I want to come home, not because of what's happening in Istanbul. I think the girl thought she was getting a romantic holiday with me, but I just wanted a bit of banter. I thought we were going out every night and having wild times, but now she's going around asking people about romantic restaurants. We got here, there were two single beds, but she pushed them together. I told her I was upset about everything that was happening in Turkey and slept on the sofa. <laughs> this man... This girl is really keen. <laughs> but this man is a wanker. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he is. Yeah, I've just right. shown Rob a picture. Yeah. Rob. He's what, just a tool, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- th- this phrase here, um, I'm sorry, th- she, so she pushed the two single beds together and he said, and he told her that um, I'm sleeping on the sofa because I'm upset about everything happening in Turkey. Bullshit are you upset about everything happening in Turkey. Now she's slagging me off to everyone around the pool for sitting with my headphones on. People are absolutely loving it, but I just want to come home. My mates are telling me to stick it out because it's so funny. But it's not ISIS or terrorists I'm scared of. It's her. 
There's definitely no wedding bells for me. Mr. Stevenson from Darlington in country Durham praised hotel staff for bending over backwards to reassure and support guests. Not a euphemism. He told the Northern Echo, this is from the Northern Echo. Right, okay. They're being really happy and friendly, even though most of the guests seem like they couldn't care less about it all. Some are saying they'd heard gunshots last night. I didn't hear anything, but I'm worried because my room's on the ground floor facing the road, so I'd be the first to get a punch. He added, I've never done anything like this before, but if someone asked me if I wanted to go on a free holiday, I'd do it again for a laugh. He's just a horrible human being. I'm sorry to say that. I just... I mean, why on earth? I mean, blind date. I mean, I've never had the... Uh, the um, Pleasure. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose pleasure. I was trying to think if it was pleasure, but yes, I suppose it would be. Of going on a blind date, but I think going on a blind date that lasted maybe a week or ten days. If I mean, if you didn't... After you've exchanged five words with the person. Yeah, and then, I mean, if you didn't get on with them, you're fucked. Well, Penzance Pirate says, what a complete prat lucky escape for the girl. Yeah. Nobby Knuckles says, if his brains were dynamite, he wouldn't have enough to blow his hat off. Nice. <laughs> nice. Freya's mum says, what a complete knob. Right. And Cookster says, oh God, he even used the term banter, northern monkey. Right. Lovely. <laughs> um, so, presumably, Rob, presumably, because, you know, we've always like parity and balance on this podcast. Of you now want the girl's point of view. Oh, really? Yes. So we now have the uh, woman's point of view. From the new shopper, I believe it's from today. And again, no journalist wanted to be associated with this story. Worst time of my life. Woman who took Tinder date to Turkey and landed in the middle of coup. It's back. Okay. So she says, in case you're waiting for it, the girl in that nightmare Tinder date in Turkey story has now spoken out and giving us, given her side. Okay. Nicole Graham and her blind date Phil Stevenson landed in Turkey in the middle of the unfolding military coup just hours after meeting online. Their story went viral over the weekend after Mr. Stevenson complained about Miss Graham's alleged advances. In fact, she says their date was the worst time of her life, leaving her with no toothpaste and a hefty barbell. <laughs> can I maybe uh, no toothpaste and a hefty barbell? Lovely, Rob. So, can I just ask... So, okay, I realised that there was, there was very few words between them, but I didn't realise it was the same fucking day that she said, do you want a holiday? He went, yeah, okay, I'll see you at the airport. Yeah, it was. Mr. Stevenson, 22, has since flown home from Turkey, leaving his date to enjoy a holiday alone. She said, because his story got out first, everyone thinks that I'm a nightmare. He said, I pushed two single beds together so we could sleep together, but the only bed in our room was a double. He charged all of his drinks to our room, so now I have to pay an £80 bar bill, and he nicked my toothpaste. How low can you go? It only cost a pound. The whole thing was a nightmare from start to finish, and he was 100% boring. I kept thinking, just book your flight home. The stuff he said is unbelievable. I think he's just getting at me while looking for fame. I wasn't desperate for him to come with me. I just didn't mind as I was going alone away. I was going alone anyway, and it was a bit of a crack and banter, something fun to do. I thought if I get oh, to the airport, Jesus, bit of, sorry, a bit of crack and banter. What yeah. the fuck is that? I thought if I get to the airport, and he's not what I thought. I won't get on a plane with him. I'm no idiot. When we got there, I realised he was really boring, just sitting around with his headphones on. I was praying for him to go home. Then he went to the papers, which I'm looking at as a bit of a good crack, but it's not very respectful of him. Despite her experiences, Miss Graham from South Shields from Tyneside said she's not being put off for online dating. She told the Northern Echo he probably hasn't put me off. If he'd been a nice person, we could have had a lovely holiday getting to know someone new. I've just been unlucky to meet someone as awful. He made himself look like a knobhead, and I feel really sorry for the next girl he meets. He's trying to act like a big ga- lad. He's trying to act like a big lad, but I've come out on top. Mr. Stevenson has since updated his Facebook status to say, toothpaste for sale, brand new in the box. Um, Hilarious. So, what do you think of this woman, Rob? I think she's going to be attractive. <laughs> you, well, she is attractive. She's got a lot of makeup on, but then yeah, she yeah, is yeah. from South Shield, so that's kind of understandable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, she's, she's kind of what you would have expected, right? I have to say, in the interest of parity, I hate them both. Um, well, comments, of course. 
in the interest of parity, well, actually, one one comment in the interest of parity and balance. I'd hear that, something like that. Jippo, uh, Joe, oh, brilliant. simply okay. says, she told the Northern Echo, in quotes, and then just simply says, all fur coat and no knickers women from up north, well, according to my old mum. <laughs> That's that. Cryptic. Story. Um, before we finish, Rob, this segment, this is a very brief and sort of stupid story that I think has to be commented on very, very briefly. Lovely, um, lovely. Now, where's it from? Can you can you find the emails you sent to me and look for the one with the seagull? Because I don't. It, it hasn't listed the. Um, What's the paper from? That's the thing. It's not. Oh, Wales oh. and I. That must be Craig. Yeah. yeah, I do just have to quickly report on the story which you sent me from. I think it was Craig because it's the Wales online. So yeah, it must that makes be sense. Yeah, Craig from the abattoir. I'm not sure if this is one of his animals. The seagull. This seagull was turned bright orange after falling into a vat of. Finish that sentence, Rob. Curry sauce. Yeah, chicken tikka masala. Oh, was it? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, the future was looking orange for the seagull after he fell into a vat of t- chicken tikka masala. The scavenger, which has been nicknamed Golfrazy on Facebook. Oh, that's clever. That is very good. Yeah. That should be named for a band. Fell into Britain's no, favourite food as he was trying to nab a piece of meat from a food factory bin. Yes, it should. I'm not saying it'd be Gold very... Yeah, not a very good one. Right. <laughs> he, was a waste, he was in a waste vat of chicken tikka masala, veterinary nurse Lucy Kell said. They had found him after he'd fallen in. They grabbed him out and then rescued him and brought him to us. He was bright orange. We've had wildlife covered in cooking fat and glue, but we've never had one covered in curry before. Can I ask, are we absolutely sure that the bird fell into that vat? What are you saying, that, that Craig put it there? No, I was saying that Craig put it there. I was oh, just right. saying that maybe some, some impoverished restaurant owner would accidentally knocked a, uh, a seagull into the... It's interesting the, you uh, say that, because the bird was discovered at an undisclosed curry factory in Wales. Can I just say an undisclosed curry factory in Wales is a very good episode <laughs> That's time. a great episode time. Half the staff thought he smelled fantastic, and half thought he smelled awful, Lucy said. It was really quite easy to get him clean. Once we got all the chicken tikka off him, he was looking quite nice. The bird was uninjured. He was just a bit embarrassed. Lucy of Tewkesbury Vale Wildlife Hospital said, no, he wasn't. <laughs> He's a bird. He doesn't emotion. He does not like spicy food anymore. How do you know that? The vat was outside normally covered because it was waste, but for some reason it was not. We think he was fishing out chicken and fell in. He would normally have been able to take off from water, but the curry was too thick and gloopy. He would have drowned had they not found him there. The bird has been recovering since he was plucked from danger on Monday. He will remain with the charity until the natural oils in his feathers have recovered, Rob. He was easy to clean because he had not been in there long, so the turmeric had not had time to stain the feathers too badly. It's good to know. But she insisted she did not taste Golfrazy. When he came in, you wanted to feel sorry. When he came in, you wanted to feel sorry and concerned, but he was making everybody's belly rumble, Lucy said. It was the weirdest thing we've dealt with here. So we cooked him and ate him. That Um, bit's not true, is it? No, it it isn't. But there's the bird. (laughs) Aww... I quite like it actually he's quite cute can I just make a very old reference hopefully some of our listeners will remember it that bird's been tangoed <laughs> that is not a reference but I enjoyed it good okay Rob you've got a story for us yes um, I've since realised that the Gloucester Show live website which we featured um, uh, probably about two or three weeks ago is actually the, the new website for the Gloucestershire Citizen The Citizen so are they not called The Citizen anymore no the paper's still called The Citizen okay, but the good. website's now called The Gloucestershire Live for some reason I'm right. not entirely sure why some Nazi plan possibly uh, so the story is by Ellis Lane mm. which sounds very picturesque mm. and uh, headline after 20 years of waiting, Gloucester Man can now throw his own banana party. <laughs> After 20 years of waiting? You 20 said, years, What the yeah. fuck is a banana party? Well, it's excluding the title. Right, well, please, go on. 
Bananas are more at home in South America than in South Gloucester. No, no not, well, yes, but you can buy them. Well, you can, yeah. I might have a banana right now, actually. Okay, please don't, don't subject listeners to you eat a banana live on the podcast. Yeah, we're eating the first ever time. Banana live on the okay. podcast. Come well, on. okay. Do you want one? Sorry, I should have asked. Um, I might take them for later. Okay. Well, no, no, that's be not different. acceptable. You can't take food home well, with I you. I can't eat at the same time as reading, can I? You can have it when I'm reading my story, but do you not oh, take okay, it okay, home? Okay, yeah, go on. No, I'll have one now. Thank you. Not now. Why do I get the bruised <laughs> one? You don't give me a decent banana, you shit. <laughs> Thank you. Take it home. But one cup from Quedgley has gone bananas this summer with a tree starting to bear fruit in the garden. Very good pun. Uh, Henry... Hey? What? They've started to grow bananas in their garden. Yeah. What? This is what I mean. This is the first time this, this bush has flowered. In Gloucester? In Gloucester. <laughs> Global warming, Alex. Uh, Henry Morden, Quedgley's very own banana man, has had a banana tree in his garden for 20 years, and despite the wet weather, the plant has fruited for the first time. Mr. Morden said, It was amazing. When the, flu- when the tree fruited the first time, we couldn't believe it. Um, we couldn't believe that it had done so. Try, Rob. Try. Is this a euphemism? And I mean it this time. Is this man been impotent for a long time, and this is his way of trying to say he can now finally get it up? Alex, I'm, I need to get to the, 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 the story. But... Okay. Um, that's more details. Okay. When we first noticed, when we noticed it for the first time, it was amazing. We've been watching over it ever since. We're talking about bananas, not his penis. The plant was originally bought to Mr. Quetchy by Mrs. Uh, by Mr. Dort's wife, Nida, sixty, in a suitcase from the Philippines. Right. Mr. Dort added, um, "I'm a lost." Why are they smuggling banana plants? <laughs> Is there anything else in that suitcase? Look, after he bought online, okay, she needed some sort of offering from the Philippines. Maybe he- that's what Jack's doing. He's sourcing banana trees. It could be. Is that Jack? Jack's doing the Asian sex tour. That's right, yeah. That's right, yeah. Or potential wife. One of the two. Or both. Or both. Um, I might have lost why this has happened. It might might be that we're having milder winters. If the fruit continues to flourish, then um, then I think in a month or so, we might have four ripe fruit to eat. Um, Should the fruit continue to grow, then we'll invite all our friends around for a banana party where, when they're ready to eat. Right. Um, uh, and there's something from Gary Barter, who's the chief horticulturalist, the Royal Horticulture Society, said, it's not very warm this year, so it's indeed especially noteworthy that banana is in flower, and indeed fruit so early in the summer. Comments. Only two. The first one is by Ted Bestie, who says, uh, maybe they use bananas to pleasure their guests at their parties. Well, I mean, that's, that's uncalled for. Where did they get that from? Well, I think that's the same insinuation you were making. No, I didn't say they had sex parties, Rob. I didn't bring other people into it. And uh, Herbie78 uh, said, uh, a banana party? Sounds a bit dodgy to me. <laughs> it, re- it really does. So all that's happened is this man who, uh, who's, I mean, he's obviously delighted, uh, you know, and, and why wouldn't you be, uh, your, your banana trees uh, bearing seed, if you will, for the first time. And uh, he's going to invite some friends around and uh, enjoy, uh, ask them to enjoy his banana. I just wonder if he's going to show everybody his penfold. Yeah, that's a very good point. Rob, it's very funny that you're talking about Banana Man. Didn't Banana Man live a Acacia Way? Uh, it was Acacia Road, wasn't it? I mean, it was Acacia Road, okay. Well, can I lead straight on to a story I've of course got? Sidcut Man, this is from the New Shopper, okay? Uh, I believe it might be from today. I'm not sure what's going on in the New Shopper. No, no, yeah, yeah, today by James Parsons. I'm going to have my banana. Wait a second, Rob. Yeah. Before you start eating, I want to hear the headline. Sidcut Man, Joshua McCarthy of Acacia Way. Right. Calls air stewardess, Nazi bitch, and chomps on passenger's arm for two minutes. 
For two minutes? Yeah. That's a long time. Somebody, somebody timed it. Right. A Sidcut man has been found guilty of spitting at a passenger, chomping on another man's arm for two minutes, and screaming down an air hostess for being a Nazi bitch on a nightmare flight home from Dubai. I'm sure you could find an episode title somewhere in there, mate. Yeah, I think there may be. I was about to ask whether this guy came back from Turkey if he hadn't added a Dubai <laughs> Yeah. A court heard how Joshua McCarthy, 21, of Acacia Way, lost it, in quotes, about 90 minutes from Heathrow Airport after necking bottles of wine. He spat on a passenger in front of him, and when he was told to calm down, called the British Airway stewardess, in quotes, ready for this? A fucking red-haired Nazi bitch. Why are we featuring so many um, objectionable people on this podcast this week? I'm not sure, but that's. But last week we had a story about red hair. We've got another one there. Mm, good point. Another of the air rage victims was bitten by the drunken 21-year-old so severely that he gave up sex with his girlfriend for a month in case he was infected. A jury at Isleworth Court, Crown Court. He's not a dog! I don't think that's relevant information, but let's just get this clear. So... He he, bo- he bit this man so severely that the man decided to give up sex with his girlfriend for a month in case he was infected. And like I say, I don't think that's why that man gave up sex I with his girlfriend. I don't think there's two things are exclusive. It's my arm, mate. Oh, it's my arm, darling. Yeah, honestly, no, it might be infected, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you, love, honestly. I, I, I don't want to give you anything, so just, you know, just, 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 leave, just, just, just walk alone. away. Just leave me alone with the laptop. Yeah. <laughs> Chris McNerlin was helping PA staff restrain McCarthy, who had drunk five bottles of wine five small bottles of wine, Probably when he say. sank his teeth into his forearm, breaking the celibate's skin. Because he's celibate now. Oh, Mac- McCarthy- what? That's not relevant. No, he's not a celibate, is he? Ready for a month. <laughs> McCarthy narrowly escaped jail after he was handed a suspended sentence for his drunken rage. Douglas Adams, not the famous author, prosecuting said, the flight was full of families and young children returning from the Easter holidays in Dubai. The defendant was sat next to his parents. With around 90 minutes of the flight remaining, the crew were bringing around breakfast boxes and that sort of thing. A short time later, the passenger in the seat in front said he felt uneasy when Mr. McCarthy started waving his hands at a young black woman waiting by the toilet with her baby. He says he shuffled in his seat to make it known he had noticed the defendant knocking into his seat. He said he turned and looked at Mr. McCarthy and then looked forward. Mr. Adams said at this moment, McCarthy spat in the passenger's hair. He said he felt a spit of air being blown on the back of his head and felt spit on his hair, a wet substance. The passenger in front asked, what are you doing? And told him to fucking sit down and shut up. A member of the cabin, cabin crew then urged him to sit down, but was called a fucking red-haired Nazi bitch, before Mr. McNerlin intervened and received Mr. McCarthy's clamped jaw plunge into his arm. In a victim impact statement to the court, Mr. McNerlin said he had, in quotes, received an incredibly vicious bite. He said, in quotes, despite wearing a jumper, it broke my skin. Since the bite, the anxiety has been unbearable. What anxiety? <laughs> From the trauma. I'm being bitten by a rabid man. Wouldn't you be uh, anxious, Rob? Possibly. It had been difficult to be intimate with my girlfriend because it's taken a month or so to make sure I'm clear of infection. What did he do with his girlfriend with his arm? <laughs> <laughs> After the attack, McNerlin posted... I don't know, I want to find out. After the attack, McNerlin posted a picture on social media of the bite mark, along with one of himself giving the thumbs up as he sat in the cockpit once a plane had landed safety. Ah, oh, he, got, he got taken to the cockpit. Sorry, well, does lucky, that not seem like lucky. a bit of a slap in the face? Lucky. I'm sorry he got bit in the flight. Do you like to sit in the cockpit? Come yeah. on. Come sit on. Sit next to the pilot. Oh, we'll give you some peanuts. <laughs> he wrote, That time when you help restrain and handcuff a nutter at 40,000 feet, he bites you, but it's all okay because Captain Kendall lets you sit in the cockpit. The court heard how the flight attendant had been having trouble sleeping since the attack. So the adding, I cannot be alone. So this is the flight attendant who was called a red-haired yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. Nazi bitch. He says, I cannot be alone around men or be in the presence of drunk men. Right. That's 
pretty pretty I mean, difficult to live your life. Yeah, I was about to say that. That means you're sort of limited to staying indoors, really. Sentencing Judge Sandeep Kenth told McCarthy, your behaviour with respect to what took place was absolutely disgraceful. Firstly, we were intoxicated to such an extent that a member of the public aboard that flight had to intervene to assist the crew. Second, there were families present. Thirdly, there were the young children present as well. The bite lasted for two minutes, which is quite substantial. With regards to the spitting, that is outrageously disgusting. Mr McCarthy was given two months for spitting, nine months for being drunk on an aircraft, and four months for assaulting Christopher McNerlin. Sentences are to be served concurrently and were suspended for 18 months. He was also ordered to pay compensation totaling £650, cost totaling £400, and ordered to carry out 220 hours of unpaid work in the community. McCarthy thanked the judge as he walked free from court with both his parents. Thank you, my lord. Comments? Sorry, what a horrible little individual. Uh, Puritusanani, a very odd comment to him. Nice. Called a Nazi bitch, spat at someone, tried to eat someone's arm, and he got away with it. Two nasty assaults and racial abuse, I call that a prison sentence. Ban this piece of shit from ever flying again, take his teeth out, cut his tongue out, ban him from ever using any kind of public transport for life, as he is in danger to all. Animal! Right, okay, fair enough. Chippo Joe says, you can take the boy, TM, out of Sid Cup, but you can't take the Sid Cup out of the boy, TM. I'm sure the, I'm sure the mother's twant will be back with his overnight bag to court sometime in the near future. Watch this space. Also, and I didn't realise Chipper Joe had trademarked the, the word he did, it, he did it a long time ago, B-O-I, oh, yeah. Okay. And Chipper Joe follows up with another comment and says, give it, give it a few and its family, will, and, his, and it's, he's throwing the man as an it's, yeah. its family will be in here trying to justify his actions. How the man's arm fell on his teeth, etc, etc. Anyway, 21 going on holiday with his mum and dad. For fuck's sake, they didn't even trust him on his own. <laughs> Fair point. But he did get to ride in the cockpit, Rob. Yeah, so, you know, every cloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rob, you got a story for us? Yeah, just a quick one for the Manchester Evening News. Uh, the story is by Paul Britton, and uh, unfortunately the headline hasn't copied over correctly, so I'm just going to go straight into the story. A cricket club, um, a cricket club called in the helicopters dry out the rain-sodden pitch and get the game back on. What? Hard to believe it with, with today's scorching temperatures, but wet weather has played havoc with the summer fixtures list with matches abandoned across Greater Manchester over success, successive weekends. But Rochdale-based Bamford Field Cricket Club literally went above and beyond to avoid another washout. The chopper, which belongs to a club, a club member, was called in and hovered over the outpitch before landing. It was hoped the helicopter's warning blades would dry the field out. No. <laughs> but sadly... <laughs> no. <laughs> the novel tactic failed and the club's game with Roe Green on Saturday was called off. So somebody had the bright idea, let's let's bring in a cop to look at the blades. It'll be like a, it'll be like a massive hand fan. Yeah. yeah. And it will dry the, the, the grass. So at great expense to get this helicopter in and it doesn't... Well, isn't that because the air is going out the other direction? No, Rob, no, Rob, there's if, also if the blades are going. Won't the air be going out the other way, not down? There's also the one thing they've forgotten. In order to dry something out, there needs to be an element of heat, and that's not generated by propellers. All you're doing, you're moving the water away, and that's about it. Why didn't they get like lots of people to come along, each with a, a hand fan, and do it that way? What they should, or possibly, or a hairdryer with, with multiple with extension a, leads. Yeah, with a great. Yeah, that's a good episode title. <laughs> hairdryer with multiple extension leads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Bamford captain Will Purser, 32 from Rochdale, is managing director of the cricket uh, equipment specialists and sports clothing firm Icon Sports UK and said the helicopter belongs to one of the club's members. We have not played for two weeks because of the weather and it looks like another cancellation. It was, a cra- it was a case to try and do whatever we could, apart from anything that might work. Um, we tried drying the ground with a leaf blower, <laughs> but that was a bit of a thankless task. 
Uh, I assume... That's another <laughs> ridiculous. These people are cretins. <laughs> a leaf blower to, 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 to dry blow the water off. Yeah, yeah. How long would that take? It's I like, mean, that's literally like doing it with a hairdryer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it hovered over the. Sorry. Where was this Manchester? Uh, Rochdale, yeah. Oh, I, I assume the, the the helicopter must got a cord. He came down. It hovered over the outfield, uh, the outfield, then landed, but it did not work. We didn't right. play. Right. Uh, any, any? Uh, let me see if there's any comments. No, fortunately not. Well, Rob, as we finish that story, let's go straight into general anaesthetic. There's so much I could report on, but I found this story which I thought was uh, interesting from the Guardian, okay. from today by John Plunkett from the 19th of July. So it's General Anaesthetic. Give it a little clap. That's yeah, where I cover a national news story of the week. Great. And uh, we were talking about the sun, Rob, on the way into this house, because Rob is going to... I hope you don't mind me revealing your your penny-pinching schemes. Rob is going to Thorpe Park on the weekend, which normally costs about 40 quid, he reckons, but Rob is managing to manage to get free tickets from collecting 11 issues of the sun. Yes. Or otherwise known as the scum. Yeah, yeah. I hope you're proud of yourself when you hear this story. The sun headline. Can I just give some background to this, by the way? No, there is you no. Collect ju- back, you collect vouchers, and for the cost of maybe ten suns, which probably adds up to about four quid, I saved myself nearly hundred quid, and I got to go to Thorpe Park. Yeah, but what about the morality of buying a Sun newspaper? Well, you know, there's oh, a lot of things it. I do that are immoral. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope you feel differently after hearing this. Okay. The Sun's Kelvin McKenzie is trying to smear Muslims. Says Channel Four News presenter. Right. The Channel 4 news presenter who is criticised by Kelvin McKenzie for wearing a hijab while reporting on the Nice truck attack, because she's a new Channel 4 news presenter and she's wearing a hijab, I heard about this. has hit back at the former Sun editor for attempting to, in quotes, intimidate Muslims out of public life. Fatima Manji said McKenzie, whose column has now prompted 1,400 complaints to the press regulator, had attempted to smear 1.6 billion Muslims in suggesting they are inherently violent. She said, he has attempted to smear half of them further by suggesting they are helpless slaves, she said, and he has attempted to smear me by suggesting I would sympathise with the terrorist. Manji was writing in the Liverpool Echo on Tuesday, a day after Mackenzie's column appeared in The Sun, headlined, this was his headline, Why did Channel 4 have a presenter in a hijab to front coverage of a Muslim terror attack? Mackenzie said he could hardly believe... So he was arguing was they they deliberately did that. (laughs) No, listen to him. He said he could hardly believe his eyes when Manji appeared on screen during the Channel 4 news programme on Friday. He said, was it appropriate for her to be on camera when there had been yet another shocking slaughter by a Muslim, he wrote. So presumably a white person cannot comment on, could should not have commented, uh, I thought like a white Christian should not have commented on the Andrews Brevik case. Yeah. Presumably no black news presenter should have, should have presented anything to do with the Dallas shooting. Yeah. The Sun column has provoked 1,400 <coughs> complaints to the Independent Press Standards Organisation, IPSO, by the end of Tuesday. The complaints related predominantly to the accuracy of the article, discrimination and harassment. It's part of the course of Kelvin McKenzie, yeah, really, isn't say, it? I'm not sure if people are surprised. I mean, that, he's, you know, the whole stuff he was uh, responsible for allowing in his newspaper about Hillsborough, really good, you could argue, uh, the accuracy of the article, discrimination and harassment. I'm not Ma- sure why people are surprised by the fact that the, these things are designed to uh, cause offence, really. Manji's response was headlined, The Truth, while Kelvin Mackenzie's smears won't stop me doing my job a reference to the thumbfront page about the Hillsborough tragedy which prompted a boycott of the paper in Liverpool the Channel 4 news presenter wrote it would be easy to dismiss Kelvin Mackenzie as an embarrassing and serially embarrassed relic of a bygone era in British journalism can I just say embarrassing and serially embarrassed relic of a bygone era in British journalism yeah would be a very nice episode to but I think I could be shortened down to cunt 
Yeah, oh, yeah, all that. <laughs> but it's dangerous to regard Mr. Mackenzie and those who echo his Islamophobic sentiments as mere pantomime villains, she goes on to say. She says their soapbox allows them to spread their ill-informed, irresponsible, malevolent invective to millions of readers. Another good episode oh, title. Racist and Islamophobic rhetoric has real consequences. Lives have been lost and shattered in our own country. Mr. Mackenzie's article was but one wild... But was... But... Mr. McKenzie's article was but one wild screed in a long-running and widespread campaign to intimidate Muslims out of public life. Young men and women of all backgrounds regularly ask me for advice on how to forge a career in journalism. Mr. McKenzie's monologue will frighten many of them into believing they will be on the end of tabloid attacks merely for daring to do their jobs. I mean, what was she meant to do? Not report on it. Absolutely. Manji quoted several lines of McKenzie's column, including this line from him. Was it done to stick one in the eye of the ordinary viewer who looks at the hijab as a sign of the slavery of the Muslim woman by a male-dominated and clearly violent religion? Oh. He's taken that case. Can I just point out to Calvin McKenzie? I just want to point this out. In early Christian times, it was common for women to cover their hair. Indeed, all over the era at that time. That's why the Virgin Mary is always shown with her head covered. Mm. And and early and Christian women are commanded in the Bible to cover their hair while praying. You cannot. It's not a sign of slavery. For some people, they may be oppressed, but you can't say that everybody who wears a hijab is oppressed. Hence, you'll find lots of single Muslim women who wear the hijab. It's nothing to do with oppression. It's just a personal choice. It's not for him to make a comment on it. She responded, Calvin McKenzie has attempted to smear 1.6 billion Muslims and suggesting they're inherently violent. He's attempted to smear half of them further by suggesting they're helpless slaves and he's attempted to, to smear me. In response to this, I've received kind messages from friends, colleagues, acquaintances and even those I've never met expressing solidarity and anger at his words. I'll not be deterred in this mission by the efforts of those who find the presence of Muslims in British cultural life offensive. And can I also just bring to our attention that amazing girl in Pakistan, you know, the, what's that, Maya? Shot Ma- Ma- by the Taliban. Yeah, 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 I've forgotten her name but she's again, begins with an M. But she wears a hijab. She's clearly not a slave. No. She, she's an incredibly outspoken and brave young woman. Yeah, absolutely. It was Channel 4 News who first approached the Liverpool paper, part of the Trinity Mirror group, with the idea of printing a first-person column by Manji. Susan Lee, the Liverpool Echo's print editor, said, We are thrilled that she chose the Liverpool Echo. She obviously realised this were a very straight newspaper with no side, apart from being on the side of the Hillsborough families. Channel 4 News said Mackenzie's comment were offensive and completely unacceptable, while the National Union of Journalists was critical of The Sun and its former editor. They said, to suggest that a journalist is incapable of reporting on a terrorist outrage because of the colour of her skin, her religion or the clothes she wears, is all you need to know about the contemptible views of Kelvin McKenzie. That's a national union of journalists. The Sun has so far declined to comment. Enjoy Thorpe Park, bastard. (laughs) Okay, it is time for the listener story of the week, Rob. But before that, in honour of Helen last week, who submitted a brilliant story, which we may very well turn into a video, about a man who claimed to have seen a UFO um, with a being, and, and actually claimed to have photographed the UFO and photographed the alien inside it. We said a giant red perm. Please just listen to the end of last week's episode, Tim, so we can't go over it again. Yeah. But it was mentioned in the comments about that this guy has written lots of strange stuff. Yeah. And, and they mentioned a brilliant story about a midget in a parka. Well, you didn't, couldn't find this, so I had a look and I found it. But it's not, it actually doesn't appear to be by him, it's somebody else. Um, oh no, maybe, maybe it is, I, I really, maybe it is, I can't tell. Um, but let's let's pretend this is from him, because I think it is. It seems to be a letter into a UFO website. So to this a man. is Mr. John Muno, isn't it? I believe so, and he's written to the guy who runs his website called Ken. And he says the following, Hi Ken, I hope all is well. I was sky watching when I spotted a mystery object that was hanging in the sky. I managed to take one photograph of this object before it moved off into the distance at incredible speed. When I later looked at the photograph, I could see what appears to be a small alien being that appears to be sticking its head and body out of the side of the UFO. <laughs> what is wrong with this man, Rob? This isn't the same image as no. last week. 
No, this is different. So he's claiming when he sees UFOs, he can see his people. Play. Can I, I'll show you the picture in a minute. This is just a man who's literally sitting at home with nothing else to do. Obviously, clearly Rob, getting drunk by Rob, himself. Rob, these are blurry images. He says, this is very strange that I could see this, as there are no visible signs of a door or window on the UFO. What's even more strange? <laughs> is alien, what's even more strange, Rob? Is the alien appears to be wearing a hat. <laughs> what the fuck? Why is his first concern that he can't see a door window? I mean, he must there must be a window there. Rob, this is the image. Oh, what the how, fuck is how, that? What, just it's a blur. What is that? Oh my! What the hell is that? <laughs> that looks like a jelly baby. <laughs> Has he just taken a close-up picture of a jelly baby? <laughs> he says, "I've taken some really strange photographs and I've had many strange experiences in my lifetime. You just couldn't make this up. It's truly bizarre." The photograph was taken on the twenty eighth of May, two thousand and sixteen, at twenty at twelve nineteen p.m. GMT at Newton Abbott, Devon, UK. It seems to be a hotbed of strange activity. He believes these photos are actually showing. But the last things. story, that was it. Wasn't that far apart? He's seen two UFOs in the space for about two months. Rob, let's let's listen to his story. Okay. I have seen a similar alien before, three years ago, in fact. Oh fuck! One morning, I was on my way to work and had a strange encounter. It was four thirty a.m. in the morning, and it was pitch black. All the streetlights were out because the council were trying to save money by switching them all off at night. Because there were no streetlights, I carried a small LED torch so I could see where I was walking. It was a cold morning, and I'd just walked past the local church and cemetery when I heard a loud crash that seemed to be coming from further down the road. God, no. I continued walking in that direction. I heard another loud crashing sound. I turned on my LED torch. It's not really the X-Files, is it? Do you remember those massive torches? He's got his shitty little LED torch. Yeah, they could get a lot of light, those. I also like the fact that he's being very specific about what it is. Yeah. Like his P900 camera. Yeah. In the dark... Nikon. Nikon. In the direction of the crashing sound. I could see all the dust bins were knocked over and there was a midget in a parka coat standing there looking towards the bins. <laughs> oh my God. Kenny from South Park, presumably. <laughs> yeah. The bins had been emptied the day before so there was no rubbish. The midget noticed my presence and turned towards me. I could see that the midget's parka coat hood was pulled really tight around his head and face. I could barely see his face. He looked strange. There was something not quite right about him. We stood there face to face for a second before I plucked up the courage to say something. I said, morning. There was no response from the midget. With that, the midget turned back around to where he had originally been facing. The midget then started to stand the bins one up one by one until the bins were in a row. The midget then started laughing in a very strange, squeaky voice and then ran at the bins with all his might, knocking the bins flying in different directions. I looked on bemused as the midget started to stand the bins again. The midget then ran at the bins once again. I then shouted, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> with that, there was an intense bright white light that lit up the housing estate like it was summer's day. The light was so bright it hurt my eyes. After what seemed like a couple of seconds, the light went out. It was pitch black again, and I shone my LED torch over the area where the midget had been standing. But the midget was no longer there. All the bins were stood up neatly in a line, and there was no sign of any disturbance. I looked at my watch, and I'd lost about 15 minutes of time. I felt very sick. My eyes were extremely sore. I was late for work, and I was feeling sick and dizzy. So I returned home, dazed and confused. I did not go into work that day. I was really ill. I've been puzzled by this bizarre experience for three years now, and seeing that alien in the photograph brought back memories of this encounter. The hat-wearing alien looks very similar to that midget in the parka coat. Did I really see this? Or is this a false memory? I could not account for the 15 minutes I lost. Was this a case of alien abduction or a strange alien encounter? What do you think, Ken? Have you ever heard of anything quite like this before? Um, Does Ken supply saying, no. Ken doesn't appear to say anything. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and well, rightly so. I now believe this man's taken copious amount of drugs. <laughs> With a- <laughs> Alex, how on earth did you deduce that? So, sorry, so his reckoning is that a UFO crashed on his way to work, apparently, uh, and... A midget got out, lined up some bins, and then flew on. Right, okay. Yeah. 
Presumably that's, that's what, presumably that's what happened with Stonehenge. We didn't have bins, but then an alien crashed, they found some stones, they put them all up together and then just flew and off. off. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Right, with that, Rob, it is time for our listener story of the week. And Rob, I'm sorry, mate. I'm determined to bloody dry out this field. Okay. We're well, going to do it. Alex, I don't think we've got enough players for a game. I mean, also... No, I'm not interested. I just want to dry out the field. Oh, you sure? I don't like cricket. Okay, well, I'll cancel the game anyway. We'll just dry out the field. Yeah. In the meantime... And they made love. Uh, well, well, we'll see how, how moist it is first. And then obviously the field. Um, yeah. Now, before we, we get down to it, we obviously need to feature a listen story. Um, and a regular person... Who features on this podcast? Craig. Yeah, it is Craig, yeah. Did you mention anything about the abattoir? No, fortunately not, no. no. Um, Don't be embarrassed, Craig. It's fine. It's a noble profession. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, no, it is. Of course it is. Um, This isn't from his usual paper, though. Apparently he said he he spotted this on Twitter, but felt he he needed to submit it. That's fine, Craig. There's no rules here. None. So, So this is my neck of the woods. This is from the Essex Chronicle. And you didn't see it. I don't read the Essex Chronicle. Why don't you start reading it? Well, maybe I will. Well, well, where are you covering then if you don't cover the Essex Chronicle? I don't go that far into Essex. Well, do it. In fact, you haven't even read anything from the Woodford Recorder recently. You're no, lazy. There's nothing on there. I was on there today. I, there was no interesting stories. Right. I think there's one about... Um, what was it? Oh, yeah, it was, it was a rabbi who consented... Not consented, that's not the word, but gave his consent to the fact that someone had had caught a Pokemon, a Pokemon go by, by a, a Jewish Holocaust memorial. Right. Very strange story. Yeah. Maybe next week. Uh, so, yeah. This is from the Essex Chronicles. I said the story is by Jennifer Dale. Headline. Woman does a poo in Chelmsford Car Park. Does a poo? Yeah. In Chelmsford Car Park? Yeah. Right. What's wrong with that? <laughs> okay. Uh, a woman has been snapped doing a poo in a Chelmsford Car Park where her boyfriend lay on the grass nearby. Uh, the lady, estimates being in her 30s, used the grass next to the B&M's car park off the Broadway. Is there a picture? <laughs> there is actually yes yeah. come yeah. on uh, as her bathroom after shopping in the discount shop Anne Reed, 45 from Rittle couldn't believe her eyes when she saw the lady from the next checkout who had dropped with her sorry who'd been shopping with so her this wasn't even after a drunken night this was in the day this is during the day yeah well like what do you do if you caught short Rob not shit in a car park <laughs> it's probably the answer to that <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> who had uh, been shopping with a boyfriend in the store uh, squat down in the grass the mother was who said I was putting my two year old in the car and my sister said look that girl's going to have a wee and I said don't be ridiculous but then the woman walked over the tree pulled down her dressing gown uh, dressing gown? yeah to go to the toilet she was wearing a dressing gown she was wearing a dressing gown what? so she'd obviously been to the shop in a dressing gown which means she may have some men how do they know she went for a poo they thought it emerged I they? think it, from the picture it's quite obvious what she's doing what? <laughs> well, you can't anything, see anything being secreted, but even so. Um, she went. She then went back and I said, sorry. Then she went back and I said to my sister, get my phone. I had to take a picture because no one was going to believe me. Uh, I was nearly sick. She pulled up her dressing gown and did a poo. What is this pulling off, pulling down and pulling up? A, pulling, a dressing gown doesn't pull down and pull up. It opens. Yeah, that's a very good point. You would have thought it would... Yeah, you could... Open, I mean, maybe she's trying to keep her dignity by not opening, so just maybe pulled it up and... Right. Yeah. I haven't really thought about the logistics of it, to be honest, but you never know. You should. Um, never in my life before have I seen uh, have I seen something like this. You can get fine if you let your dog do it. But she she was here in broad daylight. I was just watching in disbelief. I mean, I'm not sure what's worse. I mean, it's probably her shitting, but you you then standing there watching her shit in a car park. <laughs> yeah, who's the pervert? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, was the boyfriend watching by the side as well? Say. He's just lying on the grass. <laughs> she continued. She let the flaps on her dressing gown down. Sorry, is that, <laughs> sorry, is that euphemism? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, I had to go through this. <laughs> I want to know what this is. <laughs> I walked over to her boyfriend and no. smelt her hand. <laughs> I'm hoping. She didn't use her hand. Do you think this is some kind of sexual act then? What? Do you, I hadn't actually thought Go on, that. take a shit on the grass. I was assuming that when I read it first time that she'd use her hand as some sort of rudimentary toilet paper. <laughs> it was quite possible. Um, people stuck in traffic going to the Army and Navy roundabout would never have been able to see her. I would have been able to see her cheeks. I don't apologise. Her it, cheeks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting and unbelievable. Uh, I've had to have something... Sorry. I've had to say something to her if I had my daughters who were six and eight there. I, she was saying, I, have, I would have had to say something if her daughters were there. Uh, comments. Oh, actually, don't forget to comments. Do you want to see the picture? Of course. Yeah. Come on, Rob. Okay. I'm waiting here to see a woman taking a, a shit. A shit in a car park. There we are. <clears throat> yeah, she's taking a proper crap, isn't she? There's no mistaking what she's and doing. It's been, I just want to explain this. It's in broad daylight, lots of cars parked around. I mean, she's not even trying, attempting to hide. I mean, it's just next to the base of a tree in broad daylight. But what, what I don't understand is why would you then go over to your partner and, and for you then you know proffer your hand for him to smell it? Well, I told you, Rob, it's some sort of poo fetish. Because yeah. there's only a few things you can say. Yes, there's a shit on it. No, there's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, let's have a look. Or I think you need to cut your fingernails. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mustard X says this story stinks. Yeah. Uh, shitty story says this is a pile of shit. Um, I like. The, I'm, I'm guessing someone uh, must have actually obviously created the, the pseudonym of shitty story in order. What to shop was she in? B and M's. She I, wasn't. She wasn't making a comment on the sort of service. Now, I get the impression you've never been to a B and M's, have you? I've no idea what it is. Okay. It's uh, sounds like some sort of variation of S and M. No, it's it's. Uh, oh, you don't know what home bargains is. So it's it's very. I do know what home bargains is. Okay, it's an equivalent of home bargains, but it's a home bargain cheaper. shop. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's very. Maybe cheap. actually, I have. I think I did go to a B and M's down in Dorset somewhere. You might do. They used to have yeah. this. They have like they sold like picture frames for like a pound. Yeah, it's that kind of place. It has a luminous orange and blue sign. I bought an. Ama- I bought what I thought was going to be an amazing Force Awakens poster for a pound, and when I got it home, I realised it was incredibly cheaply printed. It sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Nobba says oh, so she left her flats drop down then <laughs> nothing else on there um, what else Let's I can't believe the editor let that one in <laughs> let her flaps drop down for god's sake yeah um, Angela T22 the fact this woman was wearing her dressing gown to go shopping and felt it was ex- socially acceptable to go <laughs> to the toilet in an appropriate place suggests she may have some sort of mental illness therefore her behaviour should be a cause of concern not instant condemnation. Well, poss- so, possibly. All I'd like to say is if Robert Moons had seen this woman, he would have assumed it was an alien. Yeah, that's very true. I saw a very strange alien in a dressing gown, took a shit on the grass and then disappeared. <laughs> I was very drunk at the time. Yeah. Uh, the last comment is from Essex Vowman. He just says, I guess this is what a Brexit looks like. Now, I don't know Topical. why... Topical. Yeah, well, yeah, but I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive again. Right. Well, Rob, that... Brings this episode, this corking episode, to a close. As I, Rob, this this helicopter thing isn't working with the with the grass. It's, it's still completely. We can worse. just make love anyway. Well, there's there seems to be quite a lot of human feces scattered around, so I prefer not to. Um, oh, that's what that is. Rob, stop. This brings episode 185 to a close, and so 
I guess now, Rob, we look forward with a mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation to our next episode, which is which will be episode 186 as we move ever more forward, uh, ever more forward, like, like, um, like, like, what's been happening? Like a man approaching a a small, what he conceives to be alien midget in a parka. Yeah, uh, and then uh, tries to engage in conversation for the aliens, then to knock over the. uh, the dustbin's like some sort of rudimentary 10-pin bowling game. Can I just say, Rob, the sad thing about that story is just that the only logical explanation is that he wandered out drunk and lined up some bins on his own. Yeah. Well, not just drunk. I mean, he, he, I think he probably wasn't, like you said, on some sort of illegal drug. Yeah. Um, Can I also say, though, that he did say in that story that he was then 15 minutes late for work, but then followed up by saying he decided not to go in at all. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes me think that maybe this is just <laughs> some sort of ruse just to get the day off work, because let's face it, you're never going to tell that to your boss, are you? No. Just like that, we... Uh, well, if it was a ruse to get off work, surely you would need to tell his boss. Otherwise, what's the oh, ruse? Yeah, that's true. You're not thinking it through logically, Rob. Anyway, just like that, we move ever more forward to our next episode, which will be episode 186, and all that remains now, Rob, is to say goodbye to this episode. Bye, Rob. I told you I'm not doing it out of the puppet. You didn't say that last week. That's exactly what I said last week. I'm not wearing it this week. It's too hot. I'm naked. It'd be weird for him to wear the puppet. I'm naked. Well, why would he be wearing the puppet? Huh? It's my skin. This is me. This is the real me. So it's some sort of like Hannibal Lecter type thing. You don't cope well with the heat, do you, Rob? I'm alright at the moment. I'm not really sweating. I oh, know I am. No, I am sweating. You stink. I have some. Bye. No, okay. <laughs> I've got some hygiene issues. I've tried to deal with it. Okay, I'm, it's, it's Medicaid deodorant. I, I, you know, it, it still doesn't take the edge off. We can be found on our website, which is lapodcast.net. We're on Twitter at lapodcast. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash lapodcast. And of course, you can email us at lapodcast.net at gmail.com and you could submit a story via any of those mediums you want. If you go to iTunes uh, or the podcast app on your Apple phone, search for Alex and Rob or local news, or LA podcast, and you find us straight away, and you can hit subscribe, you can you can uh, leave a comment. If you go to our website, lapodcast.net, you'll see a donate button in the top right-hand corner of the page. You can donate to this worthy course, which is our podcast. And hopefully, Rob, by next episode, we will also have a YouTube account to give up. So hopefully soon, you'll be able to search for LA podcast, and we will have our own channel there very soon. Lovely. Uh, yeah, so exciting times, Rob. Absolutely. God bless. And keep it local. Bye.